Welcome to the Straight Talk on Fleet podcast with Aaron Gilchrist. Each week, Aaron will be breaking down fleet management, trying to cut through the noise and get down to the real issues safety and operations leaders are struggling with every day. The goal will be to get to the bottom of how leaders can break down these silos of information, accelerate change management, how to use real-time accurate data to drive massive efficiencies across fleet-focused business processes, and to elevate people's careers with emerging best practices. Now it's time for the Straight Talk on Fleet. Hello again, Fleet community, and welcome back to the Straight Talk on Fleet podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Gilchrist Rugg, and I serve as the VP of Fleet Evangelism for IntelliShift. And on my podcast, I aim to be your trusted and reliable source of information for the fleet ecosystem. Based on my many years of experience as an enterprise fleet director, we know fleet management's hard, so we always break it down fleet manager style with a focus on everything from driver behavior and compliance to getting more from our internal and external data and partners. I'm excited to mix it up today. We have a guest on our podcast who has a long career in fleet management, and he'll be sharing some of his knowledge with us today. So at this time, I'd love to introduce to you Bob Mossing. Bob is a longtime friend and colleague of mine and serves as the Director of Global Fleet Administration for Steris. So welcome, Bob. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being with us. Yes, it is. It is. So, you know, I, I love to start this conversation that we often have with, with each other at events we attend together. We always end up in this conversation like, so how'd you get into fleet? Because the notion that we set out when we were young to be a fleet manager is just, you know, no, nobody nobody did that. They might today, but they didn't in our day, Bob. So so tell us a little bit about like how you got into fleet a little bit about your background. Yeah, I can't picture any six-year-old person saying that they want to grow up and be a fleet manager. It's always the firefighter, the astronaut, or something like that. So yeah, everybody always has an interesting backstory, how they got into the industry, because it's not one of those typical positions that that people know about and, and want to get into. But once they do get into it, they never seem to leave. Um, and I think that that's uh, a testament to the industry. For me, um, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up anyway. So I didn't go to college right out of high school. I moved out West. I skied, I mountain biked. And then one day I said, I'm getting old. I got to do something. Um, so my friends had all <laughs> graduated college um, and they were, had their professional careers and they got me a job at a, a basically entry level in accounts payable within finance. And they all told me that you're going to hate it. You're going to hate sitting behind the mon- a monitor, sitting in a cube. And I started doing it and I loved it. I was like, wow, this is so much greater than working at a convenience store or making sandwiches as a sandwich (laughs) artist at Subway. I loved it and I thought it was great. So I sort of made like a short term goal and I said, I just want to be a supervisor of a department and then move on from there. And the fleet department was hiring and I applied and I started. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. I kind of fell into it backward, as most people did. (laughs) It was part of finance. I really enjoyed finance. And um, that's really how I got there. I I think it's it's fun. And it it is fun to hear everybody's backstory, how they got into it. It is. You said something early on in your statements there about our industry, you know, this unique industry, this gate. Tell me a little bit about what's so attractive about the fleet industry in in and of itself. Yeah, well, I, I just have to say it's it's the people. I, I've been doing this so long that I have more friends from my career than I do from my personal life. And, and they're close friends and I really like them. But you can also rely on them 
uh, to be there if you ever need anything. And and it's it's just really something that is really different. I mean, any industry probably has people that help each other and do something like that. But from my experience and, and from what I've done and other people I've talked to in other industries, I don't hear them kind of say, wow, you know, anybody in this industry is going to help you except for the fleet industry. I, I hear that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I love that. And and I feel like, you know, doing this podcast, it's such a great opportunity to give back to this community and fleet that has sort of brought, well, you and I both up, we didn't do this before. And so we were brought up by the industry. So like when you're thinking about this, this industry and you're thinking about changes you need to make in your fleet and things that you want to do, I mean, you know, who do you look to? Where do you go when you have a problem to solve? Yeah. So um, I also sit on the board of directors of NAFA. So NAFA is a great resource. I think NAFA is probably one of the best places for a new fleet manager to really get involved. The education is astounding. The networking, the number of people that go to the annual show, the INE, just gives you so many different people to rely on. Um, the networking opportunity, you can meet so many different people. Somebody out there is going through or has gone through a similar problem that you would be going through. And they're more than happy to share. But we have a lot of different groups that we can go to. There's AFLA, there's all the Bobbit shows, there's there's everything, you know, um, a lot of opportunities to meet new people. Look at this. This is a podcast. We're sharing information. You know, the 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 medium in which we can share information and get it out to people is constantly changing. Um, even NAFA has a, the NAFA communities, which has just been great. You know, you can go out there and if you just have a question, you can just type that in the search bar and see if other people have talked about it. I've put resources out. I've been doing this for 22 years. You think I know everything. I have questions all the time and I put questions out there and I get answers. And if nothing else, just to kind of get a sense of what other people are doing. So I can't remember your original question, but I, I, it's, it's, you've it's really. Than, you've more than answered it. I, you yeah, know, I'm sure like where people go, if they have a problem to solve. Yeah. There's so many solutions out there, so many different types of tools and techs. And, and it's kind of like how you how you find those and narrow them down. And, and you gave some great tips. I mean, the industry um, shows, talking to other fleet managers, seeing what they're doing. And I, I know we could get into this whole subject about this network of people that we've worked with over time, suppliers mm -hmm. and such that help us do those kind of things. But but before we go down that path, um, you know, on this note of our industry, I think this probably has a little something to do with why you enjoy being a fleet manager. But, you know, tell me tell me a little bit about like the favorite your favorite thing about um, managing a fleet. Yeah. So I gave most of that answer. It's it's the people. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll go to that a lot on, while we talk here today. But, you know, if I had to pick a second thing, it's just it's always new. It's always different. You know, um, sure, you're going to order. A number of cars every year and it just seems like you're going to do the same thing over and over again but there's always something different and changing one of the most exciting things that i've experienced just being involved in nafa i was also the chapter chair of uh, uh, one of the chapters and one of our chap that chapter would would always talk about electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles and we started talking about it and and having conversations about it from a sense one day it will be here Meaning one day after we retire, somebody's going to, you know, be managing an electric or <laughs> autonomous fleet. And here we are right now. I'm not retired yet. And we have to start implementing electric vehicles. And I think that that's exciting. It's just there's always something going on that just keeps the job new and alive. And, and I think that's great. And a lot of it comes with uh, different technologies and 
you know, advancements in the auto industry. So um, that's that's probably the other reason I really love what I do. Yeah, it's constantly changing. I know it keeps you on your toes. And I feel like we always have to be thinking like the next three to five years out in our jobs. So that's a great segue to thinking about like, what are the things that you're focusing on most right now? Focusing most of your time on um, right now and managing your fleet at Steris. Yeah. So right now in the position I have, it's more strategic like long-term planning. Um, I, of course, I have to manage all the contracts and policies and stuff like that. But with the global fleet, there's so many different things that are happening. And that was the thing that I learned very quickly. Um, a fleet in Europe across the pond is a lot different than managing one here in North America. So that really took a lot of my time. But that's where the EV transition is going to happen first because of some different, you know, laws and and requirements that are happening over there. So strategically, you know, I have to plan and and work with a lot of different departments from HR, Comps and Benz, our sustainability group, and just making sure that we're doing the right things to put the company in the right place to make that transition. So not only that, but, you know, strategic planning, you know, I have to do multi-year plans, you know, just for uh, planning purposes for basically everything. You know, we have yearly objectives that we want to you know meet for uh, what we're doing now but we also do three to five year planning for what we need to you know consider and think about for the future so that's really my role but i'm also there for my team in the mix with what we're working on um especially the tactics <laughs> yeah because right now <laughs> we'll get to it i'm sure there's a lot going on right now that's broken in our industry so we're, we're all working on that together yeah that's you know, that's something that I've been talking about on my podcast is kind of, you know, just because things are the way they are today doesn't mean they can't change. And there's so many different ways to go about that change. Something you said a minute ago about your sustainability group and three to five year planning. Okay. I love where your head's at. I love the fact that you're thinking so far ahead that your organization is requiring that. Talk to us a little bit about how you do that, you know, your sustainability group you mentioned, tell us a little bit about the structure that you're operating in that allows you to think that far ahead. Yeah. So with the sustainability, that's coming with the ESG stuff. So a lot of that's required from a larger company, you know, you have to do some of that, but we're really also doing it from a standpoint where it's the right thing to do. And, you know, you can't just go in and say, we're going to be green, even though you hear a lot of companies say, you know, uh, by 2030, we're going to be 100% green. It's a great statement, but how are you going to get there? And that's one thing that I really like that, that my company is doing is we are doing a lot of planning. Um, we refuse to say by 2030, by 2035. What we're doing is we're doing what we can and we are planning. And then we are going to kind of talk backward and say, this is what we did to get where we're at. Um, but we can't just get there by saying it. You know, we have to, we have to do plenty of planning. From the fleet side on the sustainability group, obviously the expertise, they come to me saying, you know, what are we supposed to do? And I said, well, here's some of the vehicles that are being built. Here's some that are coming in the future and none of them meet our needs today. And they said, well, what is going to meet our needs? And and we decided that we're going to do a needs assessment, right? We're going to say, what do you need in the vehicle? What do you need at home? And what is your area uh, doing, whether you're on the West Coast, East Coast, Um, somewhere in the middle where there's just not a lot of infrastructure being developed yet, you know, to to kind of help with that planning. I love that. I love that like wade into the water approach where 
you know, we, we can do this, but we have to look at the infrastructure and other factors to say, where can we do it now? Where what might we be able to do it in the future and expand with the ecosystem a little bit? I, I remember back in the days when we were thinking about um, CNG and other alternative fuels, and it was like, build it and they will come. Not so. Not right. so. We found out that that was, didn't work. Right. So I think EV is a little different with, with some of the regulations that are coming down the pipe and especially the fact that there's a lot more commitment um, top to bottom for, for electric. So I love to hear about what you guys are doing. So yeah, you've got a lot of focuses then managing a global fleet. So for, for global fleet managers out there what, that are new at this, you know, maybe their business acquired someone um, in a different uh, country um, and they went from being a domestic fleet manager to a global fleet manager. What are some uh, words of advice for, for, for global fleet managers and kind of wrapping their heads around the, the differences in managing a global fleet? Yeah. If you are a domestic fleet manager in North America, <laughs> forget everything you know, because it's going to be different. Everything is different. I've really been working on it for five years and I'm still learning. You know, when I started in this industry, it helped that I had somebody who had been doing it for forever, you know, to guide and mentor me. But at the same time, I felt like I'd caught on really quick um, with the global. It's a lot different. Every country, um, even though they're so tightly packed and close together, has different regulations. There's different things to do. The vehicles and the reason they have the vehicles are different. The leases are different. Your your vehicles on the commercial side where it's a business use uh, vehicle is going to be different. So there's there's a lot that you really need to educate yourself on. And I would recommend you know going to any kind of global fleet conference finding somebody, asking them to kind of be your mentor and, and help and guide you. Always ask questions. Always know that you don't know enough and and, and just be a constant learner. <laughs> you Use a fleet management company. A lot of times it's just a finance company, but you have to rely on somebody who's a subject matter expert to kind of help guide and, and lead you. So I'm still getting that advice. And you're, it sounds like you're still getting the hang of it a little bit, which is great to hear because um I feel like that's another really great thing about being a fleet manager that no day is ever the same and we're continuously learning and growing and it yeah. makes the job more fun and, and challenging is fun to me. I don't know about you, how you feel about that, but I like a good challenge. Yeah. I think I perform so, so better. So on that topic, <laughs> yeah, same, same. So on the topic of challenges, you know, what are the top two to three things that you're thinking about right now that are giving you heartburn, Bob? Two to three? Oh, man. I'm just yes. going to rattle okay. off a bunch. The rock in your shoe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuel prices are, are killing our budget. Uh, supply chain issues are making it impossible to order vehicles, get vehicles repaired from the maintenance and collision side. Getting a vehicle renewed is, is nearly impossible. Incentives are gone on the vehicles that we lease. Lease prices are going up. I, I, can, I can just keep going. These are all challenges that we have today. And today has been the past two and a half years. And it could be another year or two, it sounds like, before these are even resolved. So it's not just, you know, I, I can rattle those off and say it's just a problem because of an issue that happened. But it's an ongoing problem that's been impacting us for a long time. Fleet managers, in my opinion, need to just power through, do everything you can, take all of the knowledge you have and, and listen to as many people as you can to kind of get through it. It's a lot more difficult to look like a hero. You know, you can always look like a hero putting a vehicle on the road for a low price because you got a great you know discount from the manufacturer. Lease prices are low. 
Maybe you got your maintenance program in order and you just look like a hero. It's a lot more difficult right now to look like a hero. Costs are going to be up. People are going to ask you what's going on with the budget and, and you're going to have to, to make some explanations. Um, but the ones that come through it and, and really persevere and, and come up with a plan, make sure you communicate, make sure everybody knows what struggles you're going through. The people that get through that and, and constantly communicate the problems and what you're doing to resolve it will look like leaders in the organization instead of just heroes. So that's what I'm trying to do. It's just really hard right now. Yeah, I, I love I love that um, leaders and heroes. I mean, I think that there's a fine line there, but certainly right now, um, leading in this environment, it's tough. You said, you know, this accountability, everyone's always asking why this, Bob, why that, this cost, that cost. So, you know, how are you, you know, being able to quickly answer those challenges when you have questions about, you know, costs in a certain area of your fleet? What tools or tech do you have or do you need to have to be able to quickly answer and, and thwart off some of those questions or, or, or even just visualize it for someone who might not understand? I have a great analyst in my department who does take an entire bill, spends the day to break that down, put it into a spreadsheet, classify it by every, you know, billing code possible. And if somebody asked me, I could show this is why costs are here. I know that there's technology out there that can kind of help, you know, collect some of that information and present it in such a way that can tell a story a lot faster. And um, we're getting there in the industry to get some of that technology out. You know, I think the days of, you know, just sending a spreadsheet out and letting somebody find the answer um, are going by the wayside. I think that we need to be able to tell our story by giving the answer ahead of time um, in, a, in a much quicker, easier to read, you know, matter. I think this, this idea of data consolidation is, is critical. And it's not just about putting the data in, in the right place. It's having someone who can steward it. You know, I mean, there's a cleansing process, then it's, it's, you know, categorizing all the things that your analyst is doing, but, you know, systems are designed to do this. Right. And so I'm sure that you could have your analysts doing a lot more exciting things. If you had that kind of single place where data could go and tell stories that you could easily kind of pull out in visuals for your leadership, right? Is that's kind of like for me, that's my Zen place, um, and it's it's hard to get there in in today's environment. So when you think about you, like what's if you're king for a day? I love this question. So if you're king for a day and you're in your fleet organization, in your organization there as the fleet leader, what does that look like? What what's the kind of dream scenario for you as a fleet leader, considering some of the challenges that you deal with? Yeah. So I think about this a lot and, you know, it, it comes down to if you have a, a fleet of five vehicles or 5,000 vehicles, what I would want to see is real-time data of where those vehicles are. And I don't just mean dots on a screen, right? I don't want to know, oh, I have hundred vehicles in New York city. I want to know where they are. I want to know what's down. What just went into a repair shop? I don't want to find out next month that a vehicle went into a shop for an oil change because it's on the bill or I can run a report to see that. I want to know right now if I have a vehicle in a maintenance shop, 
in a, re, a collision repair shop. I'm going to know it got into an accident because it was reported, but where is it along the way? What about someone's on vacation and they have personal use? Well, they have the vehicle. It's not a revenue generating uh, vehicle at this moment. How many in storage? And I can run reports to get this. I can see it and, and do go to all these different places to find some of this backward, but I want to see it. And I think of it as like a the best example I can think of is every time I visit an organization and they have a call center, they have a big monitor on the on hanging from the ceiling and they know exactly, you know, how many people are on calls right now, how many people are available to take calls. There's are statistics and numbers that are readily available for people to know exactly what's going on any given second. That's what I want to know with my vehicles. What's generating revenue? What's not generating revenue? Where are they? You know, how long would it take to get one somewhere if I needed it? That's kind of what I think would be very helpful to me. I, I mean, I refer to it as like fleet intelligence, you know, this, and you said the word dashboard and, you know, I just, for me, I want to be able to open that up and go, okay, what do I need to focus on today? You know, what are those top few things that stand out? They're outside the norm. I didn't have to look at a report to find them. And then once they're visible to me, I want to be able to then do something. I want it to be actionable right? Um, I can call someone or I can pop someone a text or an email right from my dashboard and say, you know, hey, Bob, you've got this vehicle in the shop. It went in for an oil chain. It's been there for nine days. What's happening? <laughs> you right. know, what's going on with that? And, and and by the way, it's a technician vehicle, so it should be actually out there making you money. So that's right. I love that. That's an answer I hear a lot and something that has kept me up at night as a fleet leader for, for a long time. <laughs> not being able to crack that nut for right. sure. Yeah. So kind of thinking about along those same lines, big data analytics, doing more with data. You know, when you think about sustainability, that's a big, it's a big goal. It's a big project. You talked a little bit about your organizational sustainability, but as a fleet manager, you know, what does sustainability mean to you? Is it just the vehicle? Is it you? T tell me what it means to you and, and maybe, you know, some of the things that you're doing now in the sustainability um, arena, and then how some of this big data analytics could help you kind of move the needle quicker on, on sustainability. So sustainability, you know, that word is used so often, and it's kind of used in such a way of, of going green, right? But I think it's more than that. Okay. You know, you need to be able to maintain your current processes while going green. You can't just like, like, say today we had to go green and somebody's CEO of my company said, we need to go green. I made a promise and that day is here. And I just put a bunch of electric vehicles <laughs> on the road and nobody could charge them. Well, we're not maintaining our current processes. We're not maintaining what we need to do. That's not sustainable. So sustainability is also sustainable from an economic point of view. Are we still going to be able to generate revenue? Are we still going to be able to do what we need to do as a company to be successful? Are we going to meet our customers' need? If if I made a move and it wasn't going to maintain the safety of my driver, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So I need to provide a vehicle that's sustainable for a driver to get in and remain safe to do their job, whether they're driving down the road or carrying the gear in the right spot um, and it's stored in the right spot. So there's a lot to it that that you know to sustainability um, that that everybody needs to think about. But obviously, from a, a a technology point of view, you know, there are a, a lot of opportunities, you know, to, to gather some of the data that, that you could have. Like if I had telematics on every vehicle, I would know right now how many 
miles that the people drive who need an, an electric vehicle, if there was one available that met my company's needs, for me to know if it makes sense in an area uh, to convert that person to an electric vehicle, right? If anybody ever made an electric minivan, there's a couple coming and it, its range was 300 miles, which we all know it's probably going to be less than that if you're on the highway with full load and they drive 400 miles a day, it's not sustainable for that person to be able to do their job. So we need to make sure that the data that we're collecting is used in such a way to sustain the operations and the driver. Now, there's other ways to make sure that they can still finish their trip, but they need to be able to plan around it. And that's the piece I'm missing right now. Where are all the chargers? What infrastructure is coming? And that's the biggest challenge I have in Canada. Everybody's coming to me saying, we need electric vehicles. Fuel, price, fuel prices are too high. And I said, well, where are all your chargers? We don't have any well, then you probably aren't going to be able to do well with an electric vehicle. And I'm hearing hydrogen. Exactly. It's still a fuel cell type vehicle, but mm -hmm. could be the standard in, in yeah. Canada. So we need to make sure that, you know, you said it before with CNG and all the different options that were coming and was it really the, the be all end all that, that, that we needed. And I, I think we should look at hydrogen and, and not ignore hydrogen and see if that's going to be something the infrastructure is already there. It's already the gas stations and it's still, you know, kind of green. So, Sorry, I went backward a little bit, though. <laughs> no, no, I love it. These are really great things for fleet managers to hear about, you know, what's out there, what you're thinking about. You've been doing this a long time. And I like the fact that there's that recognition without the data, we can't be predictive and we can't determine which vehicles in our fleet are, are prime for replacement with something that's hybrid or you know, fuel cell or EV or whatever. So, you know, I think great advice there for fleet managers who are listening today is, you know, a couple of things you touched on that are really critical are, you know, you need to be able to gather good data. Um, you need sound policies. Um, your, your policies need to be sustainable along with all the other things that you're doing. And, you know, this need to put data sort of in one place and be able to you know, have focus on what's going on in your fleet and what needs addressed today versus looking at massive <laughs> sets of, of reports is really important. You know, before we, I, I do want to talk a little bit about, I mean, safety is obviously what drives you and I and all fleet leaders, at least we hope so. Right. But before we talk a little bit about what you're doing in the safety arena for your podcast, just any other kind of anecdotes that you want to share with the fleet community who are listening? You know, I try to, my podcast is there to, you know, educate and to share ideas and to have a conversation about fleet management. And you shared some awesome tidbits today, Bob, but anything else you want to kind of get off your chest for the fleet managers who are listening out there today? Yeah, I, I touched on it a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's always, you know, I, I try and do it. You said it. We need to be constant learners. Don't get in a rut. And it's easy to get into a rut. And I'm not saying that, that if you do, that's a bad thing. You're probably still doing what your organization's asking you to do. Um, but it can get kind of mundane and boring. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, every year you're going to order vehicles, you're going to sell vehicles, you're going to make a budget, you're going to run reports. But this industry is more than that. And, and being able to, you know, kind of roll with it and put yourself out there network, find out what other people are doing. You don't have to do exactly what they're doing, but but take some of what they're doing and make it your own. You know, find a way to 
really stand out in, in, in your organization. But don't do it on your own. You have to, you know, you, we talked about it on the podcast that you were just a guest on. But, you know, get people within your organization to um, learn about the ideas that you may have. And it might really grow legs and, and, you know, put some really fun projects out there. And again, you know, just always making yourself, you know, be really important within your organization. Any fleet manager who's stuck in a rut is still important. I don't want to take that away, but really being seen as the leader who can really make change and, and drive change within an organization from whatever topic you choose is going to be important. And that's, that's where it gets really exciting. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. So before we end today, Bob, so fleet community out there, I, we've talked about a lot of great things. The first thing I want to offer up is that, you know, Bob and I are resources in this industry. You know, Bob has a podcast. It's called the Fleet Safety Geeks. And Bob, t- take a couple minutes just to share with the community um, what Fleet Safety Geeks is designed to do. Yeah. So thanks for letting me talk about it a little bit. It's mine and yeah. Phil Mosier's. And, and if anybody knows anything about safety in the fleet industry, they're probably going to know Phil Mosier. Um, Phil has uh, just decades you know, of, of training people how to be fleet uh, uh, safe in the fleet industry behind a wheel. Um, he was a former officer. He's done you know, accident reconstruction and, and he's, he's dedicated his life to keeping people safe. There are Right now, he's focused on the, the fleet industry. But um, whenever I see Phil, Phil and I, we just talk about fleet safety. I have learned so much from Phil. I refer, you know, to things he has said to my family. <laughs> my daughter's learning how to drive. And, and I say a lot of the things that Phil Same. said. <laughs> so when Phil and I get together, we, we just talk about stuff. And it's always fun to get together in person. But the last couple of years, we've been, you know, getting together on Zoom calls or Teams calls or whatever. And there was a bunch of people on a call. And at the end, Phil and I were just talking about stuff and people quietly started dropping off. And I said, hey, Phil, it's just you and me. And he's like, yeah, people don't like to stick around when a bunch of safety geeks are talking about stuff. And I said, wow, what a name for a podcast. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, safety geeks, we should do it. And so I I just kept it in the back of my head. That was like a year ago. Um, and every time I saw him or, or we were on the same call, you know, I would bring it up and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And then finally I just said, yeah, let's do it. And so, you know, we, we, we got some stuff. We got like a microphone and a name. <laughs> and then one day we just had a call and, and we tried to figure it out. We, we fumbled through and it, it worked out. And, um, you know, the reason we do it is because as Phil always says, we hate crashes. We don't want to hear how crashes can can ruin a life or a family's life or other people around you. You know, we don't want it to happen in our industry. We don't want it to happen in the public. And and if we keep one person from getting involved in an accident, we feel like we've done what we've set out to do. And and we are giving back to the industry. A lot of our podcasts can, you know, go to anybody in the general public. They they work with anybody who sits behind the wheel of a car. Um, but right, you know, we we are trying to focus on the fleet industry to kind of help and it you know, feels like it's giving back. And right now we're developing, you know, um, we're having a multi-part series of developing a safety policy. And if, if people can listen to that and gain something from it and get a good safety policy together, 
then that can also help, you know, just to keep their company and their drivers safe. And then maybe we can close down the podcast because we don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> but that's that's the real dream, right? Big data, AI, all this stuff's fun, but keeping our drivers safe, that's, that's the dream. Yeah, um, yeah. I know I've enjoyed watching the Fleet Safety Geeks. I appreciate you guys having me on to talk about driver safety policy. So, you know, to to everyone listening out there, again, just so happy to share any of today's content. If you have questions or want to talk more about anything that Bob and I talked about today, just message me on LinkedIn and and happy to share, take any questions or suggestions. But if you found today's content helpful, share it with your fleet community. Um, Bob, thank you so much for being with us today um, and spending time and educating Um, helping to continue to educate the fleet community out there. And, you know, like I always say on my podcast, like and subscribe wherever you find your favorite content. But until next time, fleet community and Bob, keep it real, keep it safe for fleet's sake. And thanks everyone for listening today. (laughs) 